had lots of people reading it, and I had also I had support emotionally um, because I knew this was going to be a deep inner journey for me to put this out. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. I recently joined an amazing women's group called The Danes, and in one of our first virtual meetings, encountered Dana, talking about being a former dominatrix. I love all that's misunderstood, and her energy, even on Zoom, was amazing. So I knew I had to have her on the show. One, to learn more about that practice, and two, to learn from a woman who's been incredibly successful as a coach, written five books, won awards, and is not scared of the next move, which apparently is involving magic mushroom ceremonies. Dana, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your story with us today. Oh, thank you, Kim. And I love the introduction. This is great. I get to sit back and listen and go, wow, I did all that? Oh my goodness, this is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's you. Wasn't there some show? Welcome to your life. And there it is. I know. It's like, oh. (laughs) So So the kink world. Now, a lot of people are freaked out by it. You were in it for Mm -hmm. six years, but what I love is it took you nine to get there. What was that moment that you like clicked? You're like, oh, I see healing here. I see healing for clientele. When did you surrender? Okay. So yeah, so it took me nine years to get into that area because I needed to get let go of a previous relationship. And once I ended that relationship, then I was free to explore what I wanted to explore in my life. And, um, and the experience of surrender for me came fairly early on. I actually, my first time going to a play party and (laughs) I just remember laughing that, you know, I told my friends, I'm like, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to like sit back and, you know, hang. And the next thing I know, I'm like up at the play party and somebody is spanking my ass and (laughs) (laughs) going through. It's like, you know, my friends are laughing at me. He's like, Oh yeah, just going to observe. You know? So I actually experienced that um, very early because I let go. I was ready. Uh, I felt safe in the environment because my friends were there. I knew they were keeping an eye on me. Um, And then I continued to explore playing with that particular person. And he has incredible talents for healing. And so we were able to recreate some of the abuse that I grew up with. And, but the beautiful thing is, is that in that world, you get to also script a new outcome. And what that did for me was change things on a molecular level in my body so that I could release the trauma and feel a sense of peace and ease that I had never felt before. So it was profound and incredible and such a gift. And I, I don't, you know, think that people in first blush would look at someone that's a not dominatrix doing that. I mean, one thing you did mention that it's up to the person who comes in, like you were ready for the different outcome. You were like, Oh, I see multi-level benefits to this experience, but some people stay stuck, right? Yeah. And in fairness, you know, I had done about 20 years of personal inner work up to that point. I, I had done all the traditional therapy. And so, yes, I was ready. I was willing. 
I was there for the experience. I was like, you know, show me what's here. But there are a lot of people who unfortunately are missing what I think is the true gift of the whole kink world, which is this personal development, spiritual awakening. And I know that's not what Hollywood portrays because that's not very sexy. Right. 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 And really, I mean, when we talked about pain, I thought the parallel was so interesting that you said you're you're like people run marathons. Running a marathon is painful. Native Indians go on a vision (laughs) quest, right? So why do you think that the dungeon, which I love that word, I want to say it like three times, dungeon, 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 and bondage Mm, is looked down on. Why do you think it's looked down on as tawdry? Like why? Oh my goodness, the camp. Like (laughs) this is like a loaded question. How much time do we have? Yeah. So there's multiple layers. A, in our culture, we are unfortunately some of the most sexually repressed beings on the planet. Um, so anything to do with sex already is tainted. So we that, that knocks it down. Um, the fact that this is a consensual act between two human beings that looks like it's out of control, you know, just kind of boggles people's minds. And so you have a, a society that is not okay with sex. They have a whole bunch of unhealed trauma. They look at this from the outside and go, oh my goodness, this is abusive. This is horrible. How could you do that? Because they're looking at it from their own lens as opposed to what's actually going on. Um, and so I think all like those overlays really play a big role in the demonizing of uh, dominatrix and kink and sex in particular, you know, although I don't talk about sex, but it, it does get demonized, unfortunately. It does. And as a sexual abuse survivor, I can tell you that it comes down to permission. You know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't give permission. Okay. So right. that was not okay. But if I go into the dungeon and I decide that I want some, you know, to take part in some act or play, as you call it, then I have given permission mm-hmm. and I can say, no, thank you. I'm done. I think I've had mm-hmm. enough, um, which mm-hmm. is really healing for, you know, uh, uh, abuse survivors. We are all about like having control, which then affects our lives and, makes us, which gets to my next question about compartmentalization, which is such a hard word to say, you went into (laughs) business, right? And now you have this like incredible massage spa outlet business. And you saw that this leadership that you had embodied as a dominatrix wasn't really that present for you in this more like you know, of the, of the business world business. Why do you think you got blind spots there as a leader? You know, I really think it comes down to this piece of the outward perspective of it not being okay. The, the, the kink and the, and the BDSM world was, is demonized still. Um, it's not generally accepted. Even with my friends who knew what I was into, they couldn't understand it. And they were like, why do you want to do that? That was so horrible. And why, you know, so there was this constant message from outside of the kink world that of like, that's bad, that's horrible. And then that, uh, that caused me to take everything from within that world and put it in a bubble, which meant that all of my power and leadership that I stepped into with the dominatrix had was in that bubble and it wasn't accessible you know, I know it's not logical, but it wasn't accessible in the business side of things. So here I am growing this seven figure business, but I'm, you know, I'm abdicating responsibility and leadership to my team and not holding them accountable and, and, and doing crazy things, which 
ended up costing a lot you know, in the way of mistakes. And um, but in really evaluating what was going on, and when I when I saw that I needed to integrate that and bring that energy in, then I saw a huge change in my business. It was it was dynamic and it was almost instant. So what I'm hearing from you is that as we move on from something that we've been a part of to remember that that's who we are and to incorporate that power that we received in that area into the next area as leaders, instead of like wanting to be ashamed of it or, you know, where you find power is where you find power. Like we're all unique people. Mm -hmm. Now you're going into this area of a deeper journey with the magic mushrooms. And, you know, we're going to talk about that, but I'm seeing a part pattern here with you of alternative <laughs> methods of surrender. Okay. So <laughs> there's a theme. There's, there's a theme. A theme. That and being the rebel. I always have to do things differently. <laughs> Where did that desire manifest for you? I mean, I hate to pull out like the childhood card, but do you have like a idea of that? Uh, well, I'm, you know, we got to back up. So I grew up in a cult and, um, okay, there you go. having that, <laughs> yeah, having that as a, yeah, I know, like as if this wasn't different enough as is. Um, but I think growing up in a space where I could intuitively feel that everyone was lying and, and then there was like this, you know, always this disconnect between what they said and what was, what was true, what I could feel was true. Uh, I think that really put me on a journey of like, you know what, I want things to be true. I want to, I want to discover the truth of it. I want to get behind it. I want to find the reasons I want to dig in. And I was very much a person to question um, within the confines of, you know, still being safe in the cult, right? I had to be careful how I questioned because you're, you know, as a woman, I wasn't allowed to, but I think that really did spark my, my piece of, um, a, I need to rebel because I had to rebel in order to leave that. And, um, and then that worked out for me. So I think that reinforced the rebelling. And now it's just such a drive. I just, I get such a high out of personal development, out of pushing myself on a personal level, um, much like, you know, runners, crazy marathoners, right? Like I, I, I wouldn't marathon, but I do crazy personal development at that level. <laughs> I love it. But that makes sense to me. Like I, we hadn't talked about, I, I was like, there's something else there. And that makes <laughs> a tremendous amount of sense. You know, I had mentioned mm -hmm. to you when I was asking about the mushrooms that, you know, I've done the like high school, like trip, sorry, mom, you know, if you're listening, mm. but I have, so I don't <laughs> have any pot, like I don't have the positive association that I would. And now that I'm a responsible, sober adult, I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, if it's that's a it's a very safe thing to do. But you had a different perspective on this. What do magic mushrooms do if applied properly in a safe container? Yeah, I mean there's ancient wisdom with the mushrooms. They they've been around and used for thousands of years in our native cultures, the various native cultures. So the Mexicans, the Aztecs, the Mayans, they've all been using mushrooms um, because they're readily available. You can harvest them. And uh, what they're really designed for is healing. They're, they open people up to being able to see the what's behind. I, we talk a lot about this. You know, somebody develops cancer. Well, why? What's going on? Or fibromyalgia. Well, what's going on? You know, often it's that they they're a type A personality. They won't let go of control, and so then there becomes this rigidness, and it shows up in their body. And the mushrooms opens 
that awareness piece up for people. It also really cracks the door open to a possibility of, um, you know, an enlightenment to the bigger picture because the parts of the brain that it activates, it's fascinating the studies that they're doing because now, of course, we have MRIs, we can see what's going on with the brain and it activates the, the part of the brain that allows you to have this spiritual awakening. It also activates cross connections in the brain, which is what creates that sensation of being able to um, taste music or smell colors. Or, you know, you're, you're perceiving things in a whole different way. So inside of a container where you're able to really drop in and let go, then you can perceive those pieces as opposed to when people have a bad trip, usually it's that they don't feel safe where they are and yet they're out of control because, you know, the drug is coursing through their system. Um, and so there's that, that heightened anxiety that goes through as opposed to being able to relax and drop in and get the messages. And know that you're being taken care of. You know, I think that's, yeah. you, you obviously know what you're talking about from a educational standpoint and mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Let's talk about writing books. We do that on this show and you wrote the inner <laughs> dominatrix, be a badass in business. I love it. Cause my book's kicking abuse in the ass. So we've got lots of ass going on and you started love the interview it. getting your ass smacked. So I think we're asking all <laughs> over the place. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is the ass interview for anybody that wants to know. Okay. Well, <laughs> what is writing? do for you as a whole? Well, you know, I'll talk about that book in particular. So that book was actually a very much of a healing journey for me um, because I was being really vulnerable in here's my journey. Here's the things that, that I experienced, you know, and really being open um, on the kink side of things and then linking it to business. I had to go through my own healing, the willingness to be, to know that everybody knows my story that reads the book and the willingness to be judged for putting out such a controversial topic. I mean, it is not your usual route to coming around to having a badass mindset for business. So I love what you just said about exposing yourself in writing the book, taking the risk. Were there pitfalls? Um, you know what, I, one of the smart things I did was, was hire help, you know, so if somebody's going to do this, they, they really should consider hiring you to help guide it through <laughs> because it keeps, Thanks. it keeps you on track. Um, so I had, I had help with the editing. I had help with, you know, putting it together. I had lots of people reading it and I had also, I had support emotionally, um, because I knew this was going to be a deep inner journey for me to put this out. Most people's story isn't to that depth. And yet putting your own personal story out can still elicit some of that feeling of, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be visible. People are going to know what's going on. And so I highly recommend that people find some support on that side as well, if if you're not giving to them, um, so that it doesn't become a project that gets shelved. Right. I mean, you put so much time and energy into writing a book. It mm. might as well be a knock out of the park. And, and you know, as a coach and you know, you've been coached and I'm a coach and I've been coached. We know coaches need everybody needs help. Like we we don't have mm-hmm. to do anything alone. The final thought that I had was what would you tell a listener who's interested 
in becoming a dominatrix, but is scared? What advice would you give? Mm, Okay. So first of all, just like writing the book, you've got to do your own inner work. Um, more, even more important. So if somebody is interested in becoming a dominatrix, A, I can recommend you to some people who can train you. Um, You need to have your own inner journey done to the level that you can show up with no judgment for that person, because they're going to have all kinds of preferences and, you know, kinks that you may not like, and, you know, you need to be able to talk about it, negotiate it. And I think this is a valuable skill in life in general, but in particular, there are a lot of people that are drawn to the dominatrix work because, you know, it's, it's basically lawyers' rates. It's very good money. Um, but there's a lot of really mentally unstable people doing this work, and they're borderline abusive. So do your own work, and that will allow you to actually show up and be the best in, in your industry. And get the referrals of someone that would be good yeah. to work with, someone who's professional. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. I, I, you know, now that I've interviewed you, I want to just like hang on the phone with you for another two hours and pick your brain about <laughs> all these areas that you are obviously so smart in, but we're out of time. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. You've been listening to, you should write a book about that. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.